Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Happy Haven Podcast. Uh, today we had Andy Smith on. Um, he has worked for everybody in the comic book industry. And him and a bunch of friends, all names you'd recognize and love, got together to form Omnibus Press. They've got some crazy awesome books out. And I got to sit down and talk with him about the upcoming Demigod. And then it turns into just an awesome podcast of two old guys napping at one point. <laughs> But uh, it was super fun, so enjoy, guys. Hello. Howdy. Hey, hold on one second. Yeah, man. You get to see me in the scary dark. Uh-oh. Why is that? <laughs> no, I had the dimmer turned down. Oh, okay. <laughs> so what's going on, man? Uh, just working, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. But I can do two things at once. So. Me too. I was, it's actually funny you said that. I'm actually cooking dinner at the same time as we're doing this. My wife's going to be a little late from work. and So I was like, well, I'll cook. And then it hit like 6.20. And I was like, oh. <laughs> like, so what she do? Um, she actually works for um, AT&T. Oh, yeah? Yeah. She, um, she works in a call center. Oh, okay. So she deals with like customer service and basically talks to people who are angry all day long. Is that nationwide? I take it, or yeah, for her it is. Yeah, she's been doing it for twenty years though. No way. Yeah, she. I mean, she started out when they were singular wireless. Holy crap! And then doing the same thing, the call center stuff. Yeah, they were called Bell South Mobility, and then they switched to Singular Wireless. Holy and, shit! Well, she made it all the way up to being a manager, so she actually had a team. And then um, she got pregnant with our little one um, right after yeah. we got married, and she's eleven now. So oh she, wow! Yeah, I mean, she stepped down and went back on the floor, but she um. She's been there so long that she'll be able to, like, fully retire from there in, like, six years. I think it's your age plus your service. Once it meets 65, you can retire full benefits from them, and she's fully invested in a pension. So she's looking at being able to retire at, like, before she's 55. So she's sticking with it until she's done. Yeah, might as well. Right? Well, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, I do. Who knows? Maybe maybe I've talked to her. (laughs) You want to hear something crazy? So, um, I got out of the military a long time ago, and then was, um, I had a hippie cousin, right? And I've told the story on the show before, and people are like, oh, here he goes. But I had a hippie cousin, and I love him to pieces. Um, Always have. And... He does Renaissance festivals. He's been doing them since, like, 98. Wow. And instead of going back to Massachusetts, where I'm originally from, he was like, do you want to go out with me and see what this is like? And I was like, sure. So I spent two years, or a year and a half, almost two years, traveling the country doing Renaissance festivals. Um, No way. Yeah, I did security and construction. Um, They never got me in the clothes or anything, but I mean, I love the people out there. It was a fun, it was a fun time. I got to see everywhere and I I got off the road and settled in Florida. Um, Right. And I lived in the Tampa area and I bought a a monthly plan phone. um, Oh yeah. Yeah. From singular wireless. 
and I got it because it was the the first Spider-Man movie had just come out, and it was a special Spider-Man tie-in phone. Yeah. So she was actually the one who activated my phone, and me being a giant dork, I hit on her on the phone um, while she was activating my phone, and then um, we have a 13-year anniversary this weekend. <laughs> so like I met her activating the phone and uh when we first met the first thing I noticed is um she had a uh, Mary Jane's hair. Um, oh really? Like fire engine red and like that wavy curly like yeah, Jean yeah. Grey and um and Mary Jane having that was like the first thing I that and the the super green eyes and I was like oh no I'm in trouble like it was supposed to be a hey let's get together we've been flirting let's go on a date and she lived in Atlanta so I actually went up to Atlanta to meet with her and it was like one of those like all it took was a weekend and then we were like yeah I'm gonna move up to Georgia because I didn't have any roots in Florida you know what I mean I was just there and um that's cool we've been together almost almost 20 years nice so kind of crazy yeah that's cool see so when people are like why do you love comic books i'm like because it brought me my wife yeah because i wouldn't have i mean i i did had no interest in a cell phone i was just like "Ooh, spider-man i'll get a phone it's cheap and it's spider-man and it, yeah, you know yeah. but that's cool but yeah so for anybody um you know tuning in and listening to the show today i have andy smith who really almost needs no introduction if you know if you know his resume i was doing research yeah, i don't know if i go that far <laughs> well, i was doing research and i was like holy crap i always feel like i need an introduction <laughs> <laughs> but no yeah i mean shows up i mean you were fully that's what i was gonna say and turn it into a joke and be like let you introduce yourself and let people know who you are and and everything else no, I go to conventions and I'm always like surprised when people know who I am. Really? So, oh yeah, totally. <laughs> I don't, I don't assume anything, you know, I right. just figure, you know, cause I, I mean, everybody's different, but at least for me, you know, just working at home, you know, like we all do, most of us do. Right. Shut it, shut it away or whatever in your, your little office. You know, you just don't think about, or I, sh- I don't want to say you because it's more me. I don't think of, I know there's the real world out there, but I never think about, I guess, how far reaching some of the stuff I've worked on, you know, goes. So, it, you know, I draw it. Now it's email instead of, you know, FedEx and I, you know, email the stuff off and, yeah, I mean, I see it when it comes out because I'm still a big comic nerd and go to the comic shop and stuff. But I don't, you know, I don't think like everybody people know who I am. You know, I just I, <laughs> right. So I can see that. But if you wanted to introduce yourself, I mean, you are free to let everybody know who you are and you know. Yeah, I mean, it's um, Andy Smith, uh, comic book artist since 1991, which. You know, when I say it's 2018 and I started in 91, I'm like, holy crap, 27 years. Um, Because, you know, it's it's another one of those things. I I don't feel like I've been doing it for 27 years. But anyhow, back to the introduction. You know, I've worked for Marvel, DC, Image, Acclaim Valiant. Um, 
cross-gen. Um, I do advertising stuff. Not a ton, but I do that as well. Right. Uh, you know, working for Disney on pretty much for the past few years on whatever, whatever you know, Marvel movie that comes out and they do a kid's book for it, I've usually worked on with Ron Lim. Oh, wow. Um, so if you go to like, obviously, you know, bookstores in the kids section, but if you go to like Target and stuff like that, it's so, you know, it's those early reader books that say for, well, they say right on it, you know, early reader and, you know, they're the little like six by nine type or not six by nine, probably five by eight, you know, the small ones that are only like 20 some pages and yeah. you know, drawing per page with the writing below it and stuff. Um, almost like a modern version of like the little golden books. Yeah, and they still do golden books. Actually, I, that's something that I, I guess you say it's on my bucket list because they do do those golden books still that are hard, you know. Well, cardboard cover, paper interior. Right. Um, I, I'd like to do one of those just because it'd be cool. But, you know, I've, I've also done for Harper Collins. A uh, bunch of their DC kids books, and this goes back to like two, uh, 2011 through 13. I, I think I've done like six of them. You know, and those are those are all done in a simpler, you know, almost animation style because they're for kids, so they wanted a simpler style. But you know, I did Batman, Superman, I did oh, Superman, wow. Man, Superman, Doomsday, Justice League featuring Aquaman. Um, Superman, Silver Banshee, and those, you know, those are awesome. You know, they're just so fun because you're just, you know, basically it's, since they're kids books, like I said, there's only one drawing per page. So, you know, in comics where, for instance, you might draw a panel of a guy picking up a phone because, you know, it's storytelling and you got to advance the story. And there's just that time where it's like, oh, the phone's ringing, you know, close up of the hand picking up a phone. But in these kids' books, since it's one drawing per page, all that stuff would be in the text. So every drawing you're doing is generally something cool. You right, know? right. Because, you know, it's a kid's book, so you're not going to – you'd say in the text, like, and Clark Kent picked up the phone, and it was this urgent call, and he realized it was a job for Superman. So the drawing for that might be him pulling his shirt open to show right. the lesson, you know, to go along with that text, you know. So, uh, so yeah, I did a bunch of that stuff, and then an old DC editor of mine, that, you know, left and went over to Disney, contacted me, and I originally did, you know, my foot in the door there was doing um, some work on the first Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. Well, wow! I, yeah, first his first movie, doing like coloring book stuff for it. And then I also did just some generic Spider-Man stuff that they used for, like, one of those big, you know, uh, $10 activity books that has stickers and all that junk in it. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I did one of those. And then, and see, the thing with all that stuff is that stuff you don't get, you know, it's not credited. It just comes out. Right. And, you know, I know I did it, but it's not credited. Um and then for the second Spider-Man Andrew Garfield movie, when Jamie Foxx was in it, I did all the art for the kids' books for that as well. And I did, you know, the pencil and inks. And um, 
And then after that, they basically, you know, Ron Lim, because, you know, they have multiple things going on. You know, Ron Lim has has been doing stuff for them, too. And they asked me, they said, hey, you know, do you want to ink Ron Lim? And I'm trying to remember what my first one was over him, what the movie tie-in was, because was it the first Guardians? I don't know if it was the first. No, it wasn't the first Guardians. Try to remember what came out after Guardians One came out. Guardians One um, Man, would have I, been. I, I know at least uh, one of the Captain America movies. It might have been. Well, I've worked. It's easier for me to say what I've worked on for that stuff. I've worked on Captain America: Winter Soldier, Captain America: Civil War, Avengers: Age of Ultron, Guardians of the Galaxy Two. Um. I just finished Ant-Man Wasp. Nice. You know, and these are all, you know, the kids' books that'll, you know, be out. They usually put the stuff out, like, five weeks before the movie comes out. Right. Is when that stuff will hit the shelves. So, you know, I've been doing that. Um, I did the the Spider-Man Homecoming, which wasn't with Ron. It was with... um, Oh, man, I'm totally blanking on the artist's name now. But it, it wasn't with Ron because they, you know, this is when they really started ramping up to we're doing three movies a year, you know, Marvel. Right. And to keep the pace, you know, they had to pull Ron off of it. And um, I don't have a copy of the book here, but they had to pull Ron off anyhow. And he didn't lose work. They just moved him on to something else immediately. And, you know, they hired another artist that I worked with on that Spider-Man Homecoming one. So, you know, I'm into all these little different things, like, as well. So, That's awesome, man, though. Like, oh, You know. So it's, you know, it's it's fun stuff. You know, my friend of mine has a kid, and I'm like, oh, sweet, here's some uh, kids' books. So when he gets older, you can read to him and stuff, you know. See, that's, yeah, that that's really so, cool. I'm like geeking out on all the stuff in your room. Oh, not to be a creeper, but I'm like, holy oh, yeah, no, it's cow! All, it's all good. That is you, amazing. What's the field of view? You can you can't see the top of the bookshelf, can you? No, I can see from like. See if I do that. Oh yeah, there's like double that. Oh. Yeah, there's tons of junk. I mean, just the. Dang, dude. I'm, I was looking at that giant. Is that a art size Daredevil book on the ground? Oh yeah, that's the art Frank Miller artist edition. Oh, well, behind it are like a bunch of other artists <laughs> as well. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I've got. You know, it's funny when the first one that I bought was the John Romita Spider-Man because I love his stuff. And I was like, yeah, I'll probably only get one of these. You know, they're, they're expensive. I mean, they're cool. I'd love they to them all. You know, they're, they're not cheap, you know. No. And um, and they're they're awesome. And I thought, ah, I'll probably only ever get one of these. So I'll, I'll be picky about it. And then, um, and then like, they did the John Buscema Silver Surfer. And I was like, God, oh, you bastards. I got to have that. I love John Buscema. <laughs> I saw one and, for Sandman at one of my comic book stores. Yep, and they're doing a Jim Starlin cosmic one. Yep. That comes out in March, so I'll definitely be getting that because I'm a huge Jim Starlin fan. Me too. And, and you know, obviously having worked with him as well, so. 
but um, I, I actually wanted to say thank you um, for the the demigod ash cans. Oh yeah, dude, um, no problem. Well, Ron, you know it's funny because you know Ron sends me the email saying, "Hey, send send this guy down some," which I don't have a problem doing, obviously, because I did it. But I'm like, how does Ron even know I have any extras? Because <laughs> well, he locked out because. Um, you know, Ominous Press, uh, the main office is in Buffalo. Right. And, and I, I, when they got them in, I said, you know, why don't you send me like 50 of them to sign? And then I'll shoot them back to Ron. He can sign them. Then he can just shoot them back to you. They said, oh, that's a great idea. And we'll just send you, you know, some extras so you have them for a show. I was like, okay. So maybe that was in a chat window and Ron saw it. I honestly don't remember, but <laughs> like, why wouldn't you just ask the office to do that? But I had them, so I'm like, whatever, I don't care, I have them. And then I was like, well, I, I assume they should be signed, so. <laughs> yeah, that was a super added bonus, actually. I got so excited when I opened it, and I was like, he signed them. He signed both of them. I, like, showed my yeah, wife like I was five. I was like, look what I got, look what. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things. When I'm in person with someone like if I saw you in person and you were like, Oh, can I have a couple of those? Or when I'm at a show, I was at a show recently in town and you know, I had the ash cans and I was just giving them away to people. And some people had the thought of, Oh, would you sign it? And I'm like, well, of course. But when I give them, give them away and I tell them, I go to my new project, whatever, here's an ash can here, take it. It's free. Right. I never go. And I never do this. I never go. And I'll sign it if you want. Cause I, I don't know. I just, it just feels weird. But if they ask, I have no problem. So, but when it's through the mail, I guess I kind of put it in my shoes and go, well, if the actual creator was sending it to me, I guess it'd be cool if they signed it and I got it signed. So, you know, I mean, you you know, you should listen to the wrote back and been like, you ruined it. Why would you sign it? Thanks. No, never. Never. No, um, when Ron, you know, when I had him on the last time and he was like, I'll get you, I'll get you the ash cans. And then it ended up being this five minute conversation about like, he was like, you, you don't really ever ask for anything. You just have us on and you plug our stuff and you know, we're so thankful. And I was like, dude, I feel so weird if I were to ever be like, Hey, do you have something I can like, you know what I mean? Like, I think it's the same thing. It's a level of humility of like, I'm still just a person. I don't think I'm anything more than I am. So like, I've never asked for anything. So the fact that you signed, it was actually like double cool apart from, from getting them, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. Cause no I would problem. never ask. <laughs> I'd just be like, sure. <laughs> no, but, I hear you. But, One. And I, it's it's weird for me too because I'm a big comic nerd. I, I go to the shop, you know, every Wednesday. I, I still collect and whatever. But I'm not a signature guy. Right. So I'm not an autograph guy, you know. I, and you know, obviously, I know lots of people, and I could get stuff signed. And even if I didn't know the person, I could still get, um, you know, just go up and be like, "Oh, could you sign this?" But I'm, I'm just. And don't get me wrong, I've got a few things signed, but really not many, just because I, I, I don't know, I don't care that much. So. Right. But you had um, you mentioned uh, coming on talking about Kickstarter. Is that for um, 
Right. Yeah, we're doing we're doing the Kickstarter for um, for Demigod. Demigod, that's right. Which, um, you know, look, it's it's coming out, and you know, it's not like it's a secret. It's coming out through IDW as well. But what we're doing is, you know, IDW is coming out in March. It's the one issue, and then you know, wait a month, get number two, blah blah blah. And what we're doing is we're doing the two issues. The first two issues is a single volume hardcover oversized. And what I mean is it's it's oversized dimensions, too. So it's not just the you know, six by nine or whatever a comic book is. Right. It's going to be like eight and a half by 13. Um, it's going to have the two issues, but it's also going to have, um, you know, sketchbook section, how a page is created from script to finish. So, you know, script, pencils, inks, you know, colors, lettering, um, and, you know, behind the, you know, extra stuff, of course. Right. So, so we're doing that. And then there's another pledge level, which, you know, when we did Bart's Kickstarter for Drawing Powerful Heroes, we did, you know, the black book, the art of Bart Sears. And, you know, the, the deal with the black book is it's ominous as ominous presses uh you know hardcover nice art book series so you know we're gonna we're, we have the art book or the black book of andy smith part of the kickstarter um and that's hardcover you know like nine or eight and a half by 11 112 pages um and you know obviously i'll pick everything out that goes in it right actually i already told bart i said you know i'm gonna need your help because I'm just I'm basically loading up a folder with artwork and stuff, and it has to be weeded down, and I'm just off with that. So I, Bart's going to come in, and we'll go through it together, and you know get his opinion on what should go in and and not. Um, but then you know we're going to be doing other ones as well. We've got uh, Jim Starlin lined up for one, um, Rick Leonardi lined up for one a couple oh, other guys i can't mention yet but it's going to be you know uh, an ominous press project you know black book series so so a year from now you can have you know volume one which was Bart's, volume two which is mine jim starlin's you know rick leonardi and then you know oh, we're wow. trying to talk to other people about it as well so that's another another part of the kickstarter uh campaign so you know, trying to trying to get people over there and and you know, I think there's a market for it because I'm the guy that will buy the single issues of something and after I get the single issues, I'll buy the trade or I'll buy the hardcover. Right. Even though I just bought the single issues, it's like and and you know, back before and they still do it and you know, Marvel and DC still will add extras into a, a collection. But, you know, sometimes they don't. And, like, for instance, I got the um, Superman uh, miniseries that Neil Adams did. So I'm a huge Neil Adams fan. So I got it when it came out. And when the hardcover came out, I bought that, too. And there's no extra stuff in it. But it's just, I just love that. You know, I right. I love that stuff. So, you know, for me... Being, you know, on the other end of the table, well, like Bart's drawing powerful heroes. Now, obviously, I'm part of Ominous Press, um, so I was, I got it anyhow. 
But if I wasn't, I would have been like, oh, because I, I have a binder with every one of those uh, How to Draw Wizard Comms Bart did. I still would have been like, oh, I'm getting this. Right, exactly. You know, I already have it. Oh, I'm getting this. One nice hardcover collection. So um, there's definitely, I think, a market out there for it for people to go, sweet, I can buy the floppy for a few bucks and then get this sweet hardcover that has all this extra stuff in it as well. See, that's yeah. me. I go, I I invest in trade paperbacks. I'll get issues and, you know, I have a Comixology account or I'll go to the comic book store for stuff I actually want to hold. But yeah. I have a giant section of trade paperbacks and special editions and graphic novels and because I'm the same way with that. Yeah, totally. <clears throat> so that campaign's running now. So anybody that hears, just uh, search Demigod or actually you can search my name on Kickstarter and it'll come up. Right. Um, so that's going on and I'm working on the book currently as well, obviously. So doing that. Is that, that what you're drawing while we're talking? You're just... <laughs> no, actually it's not. I'm, I'm actually working on a project I, and I had to sign an NDA for and it's not, co- it's not for comics. Oh, okay. But, uh, it's, it's comic book related because when I get hired to do stuff outside of comics, it's obviously because... I do comics. Right. So it's, it's comic book related stuff, but it's not for comics. Um, but it's it's a pretty it's it's for it's for a pretty big. Uh, uh, I guess you could say corporation team. I'll go with team because that doesn't really say much. But right. team kind of narrows it down. It does a bit, but I won't push because <laughs> I've learned. It doesn't, it doesn't tell you what. Put it this way: it doesn't tell you a league. It just tells you that it's a team. And there's so many so, teams, so I think you're good. I, I can I can go that far with it. <laughs> I was going to uh, say, that's as far as I'll push. <laughs> I, I wouldn't ask. It doesn't matter. You could push more, but I wouldn't say anymore because it's a good gig. So exactly. But no, go. so that's actually what I'm working on now, so, right now. Um, Demigod's the main focus, and that's more of the quote-unquote day job. Right. And, and um at night, you know, like after dinner, uh, when I come back up here to do some work and stuff, if I didn't, if I didn't meet my demigod quota, because you know there's obviously deadline and a quota, just even for myself, you know, besides the actual deadline, there's just this mental quota, and this is how I've always been with uh, my comic book career is, I've I'm not the guy that works at like. Oh, I got up at 2 in the afternoon. I work from like 3 p.m. to 3 a.m., you know. I've always always been a, a day worker, I guess. Try to keep 9 to 5. Right. And and that goes back, like I said, to when I first started oh, back in 91. Just because even though I have that flexibility, you know, I've got lots of friends that draw comics for a living, but we all don't live in the same town. Right. So for me to for me to have a life, you know, when I first graduated the Kubert School where I went, I moved back home to Maryland, and then like two weeks later, I moved to Florida. And the people I knew in Florida, they didn't work in comics; they had nine to five jobs. So you know, if you want to go out at night and have a life, then I could either not have a life and go, I want to work from three p.m. to three a.m., which to me didn't make sense because how would I be able to socialize with my friends that had nine to five jobs? Right. You know? So I just basically said, well, I'll just treat it like a, 
a day job because it's never been nine to five. I mean, I start working now at like seven fifteen, and like I said, I'll break for lunch and dinner, and then come back up and work till eight thirty nine o'clock. But um, you know, I try to keep it as normal as possible. And right. now, you know, being married and having a kid, I think it's once again, I, I know guys that are in the same position, married with kids, and they still work those weird night hours. And and to me, that's just too much of a juggling act. Because they'll tell me, they'll be like, oh, well, I'll, you know, my wife will get home, my kids are home, so I'll do dinner and I'll watch some TV with them, but then I'll go back to work, say, like, you know, 10 o'clock till 2 o'clock. And I'm just like, what? What? <laughs> right, like, they, yeah, it's all that time that they're, yeah, I, you know... I, I, well, one thing is, and every, you know, everybody's different, but I can't do that because I also one of the reasons I get up early is to help, you know, get my kid ready for school and stuff as my wife gets ready for work. So, right, you know, I'm getting up at like you know six o'clock every day. So, if I work till two a.m., I'm sleeping for four hours. <laughs> right, and then <laughs> trying know? to function, yeah. And then, and everybody, look, I know people have lots of energy, and God, I wish I was one of those. But if I sleep for four hours. I'm wrecked. I, am, I used I, to I used to be able to, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm in, you know, I've I crested mid 30s last year. Like I'm I'm on the, if I get four hours of sleep, I'm I'm destroyed. And I used to be able to function on it, but I am not a spry 20 year old man anymore. Yeah, so exactly. so I trust me, I understand. <laughs> exactly. So, so I've I've kept it pretty consistent. But you know, going back to what I was saying, you know, I I have the overall deadline from the company, whether it's doing the ominous stuff or DC Marvel stuff. But even with that deadline, I kind of go, okay, this is a deadline. This is the amount of days for me to do this amount of work, which means I've got to get X amount done, you know, in a week. So, right. I mean, that's the other thing too is, you know, you, you probably know, you know, I try to take, I try my hardest to take one weekend day off. And I'm not saying... And that might be split. So it might be I work, you know, 10 hours over the weekend and it might be five on Saturday and five on Sunday, but I still got basically a day off. Right. You know what I mean? Or I'll just push through and work a full Saturday so I can take Sunday. Right. You know, or vice versa. So but I think you need that time, too, where you kind of snap. It's like, you know, it's the all work and moat and all work and no play thing becomes real. Yeah, man, you got to you got to have that time to recharge and. Well, and that's the other thing, too, is, like, some guys I know will push through for, like, 10, 11 days straight, and then they take, you know, three, four days off if they can. Right. Whereas, whereas I'd rather, if, and this all really comes down to if deadline permits. You know, everything needs to be qualified with if deadline permits. Right. So if deadline permits, I'd rather work five days or six days straight and just take Sunday off instead of working, you know, literally seven or eight and then taking a Wednesday off. You know what I mean? Right. Cause that'll just, yeah, that, that'll just pile on for me at least just too much. So, but you know, at the same time, I, I look at the guys that are like, like I know a guy that can get up at like 4am every day to start working and he loves it because it's quiet in the house. The phone's not ringing yet. You know, and I'm just like, I should try that. And then the, you know, four o'clock and I'm like, no way. Nah. <laughs> I would have to, 
I, for me, and he's the guy that goes to bed at like 10, 30, 11. So, I mean, that's not a lot of sleep. And, you know, body-wise for me, I've got to get at least six and a half hours of sleep, seven hours every night. Right. It's just, it's just, you know, it really does reflect the next day. I mean, I'll, I'll get work done. It's not like the whole day is a waste. But I can tell that I might have been in my office and put in nine hours, but it might have only been six quality. You know what I mean? Right. Because those three hours sprinkled throughout the day were just wasted because it was like, oh, I'm tired. You know, or I'm just not thinking clearly enough or whatever. So. I mean, especially with, with, with what you do, having to having to, to draw and have, you know, go go off a script and make it look good and look right and action scenes and still scenes. And if you're like... <laughs> like head down at the table, like, just exhausted. Oh yeah, it's. I'm sure it's, it's super you know, hard it's, to get through it. It's funny because when you talk to people that don't do this, that just have regular jobs, yeah, I mean there is something to the whole. Well, you're just drawing. It's like yeah, I can see that, but at the same time, and this is just for me. I mean everybody's different, right? But for me, it's such. It's, it's using. It, it's so so much thought process for everything. It's not like there's ever a moment of just phone it in. It's just rope. You know what I mean? Like, right. for instance, I worked when I was a, when I was a teenager as a part time job. I worked at UPS, right? So I was loading trucks. Now for four hours because the shifts were only four hours long. But it was so physically demanding. I mean, you would walk out of there, and this was in Maryland. I did it over the summer. I would walk out of there, and I could literally take my T-shirt off and wring it out from sweat. Because for those four hours, you get like two 15-minute breaks, and that's it. And it's just physically demanding work. Now, it's not mentally demanding. I didn't walk out of there like mentally exhausted. You know, I walked out of there physically exhausted. But at the end of the day... After the end of a, a day, drawing all day, for me at least, I'm just mentally exhausted to where I don't want to read a book. I don't want to – I just want to watch TV, you know, watch some of my favorite shows because it doesn't involve any thinking. I can just watch it and just basically kind of let all that just go. Right. You know. So, you know, my, my hat is off to the – to the laborers that do physically demanding work because it is kick-ass exhausting. That's my nine to five. I do facilities for a major retailer. Yeah. So I do all the repairs. I walk the stores. I drive from yeah. store to store. Like it wears you out. I get home and, and yeah, like, I'm like, I hit the couch and I'm like, I'm done. I'm either playing a video game until everybody's home and then the TV goes on or, yeah. you know, I'm just, I'm in. And I think that's why, you know, I, I actually started the podcast as a way to like, it's like my woosah time. You know, it's I, I always, I only cover stuff that I grew up loving. So cartoons, comics, video sure. games and TV and movies. And it's just worked out that I've, you know, been able to talk to the people who actually make the stuff instead of just a guy talking about stuff. I actually get to interact with people. So it's actually been like, I mean, you know. It takes work, so you could say it's a part-time job, but it's really, 
like a joyful outlet. Sure. You know, sure. It, you know, away from, I mean, I've got my kids and my wife and we do stuff all the time and we're always hanging out, but like, this is like my, I get to talk about stuff I love and I'm just lucky enough to do it with the people who make it. And like, yeah. you know, so, I mean, I, I totally understand what you're saying about needing, you know, needing an outlet, ne- needing some downtime, no, no matter what it is and not just working a grind whether it is physical or whether it is you know art for comics or writing or and you know work is work oh yeah it's it's different kinds of work like you know people say spoiled actors and i'll get guilty of it if if, you know if a celebrity says something stupid i'll be like oh "Oh, that's spoiled baby but i've watched shoots where these guys are working 17 hours you know 17 hour days and the thing is i've done i do um i do improv on the side with a cool. comedy troupe in town. And, you know, I've been doing that since 2006. And I don't, you know, for a while there, I was doing it every weekend, sometimes Friday and Saturday nights. Now I pretty much perform maybe once every other month. Um, but I love doing it. I love performing. And I've done, you know, before I did that, I dabbled a little bit in stand-up comedy um, but I did acting as well. And I did, you know, I used to have an agent. I've done commercials and I've done, when I lived in Florida in the late nineties, it was just my wife and I, we didn't have our daughter yet. I did, um, short films and stuff. And, you know, well, it's like what I do for a living. I don't take it for granted because it is a, it is a fun job. It is right. a dream job. People would love to do it. Um, but there are days where it's definitely work and there are days where it's definitely fun because let's be real. There are things I don't want to draw. And then there are things I love drawing and I'm sure it's, and you know, for the little bit of acting I did, look, I'm no, obviously I'm no movie star or anything, but with the background I've had from memorizing lines and having to be on set and, you know, it's a lot of sit around and wait till it's your call time and stuff. I mean, I've been on, I, I did a commercial in town five years ago and they shot. It was. It was a each each segment was a cup was a couple, you know, husband wife thing, and my call time was eight in the morning, and they didn't get around to finally shooting, um, my part of the commercial with you know my actress wife, till like four thirty. You right. know, and I'm sitting there like, why was my call time at eight a.m. Because they had no idea it would be till four thirty, and they didn't know the order they were going to do it. They could have said. We're going to use you guys first, which right. would have been great because it only took 45 minutes and then I would have been out of there. But they used the other, you know, just the way they organized it. And um, I, shot, I shot a sitcom pilot in town like eight, nine years ago now for a production company. And, you know, we did it just like any sitcom. We did the table read with all the actors and directors sitting around. And then after the table read, you know, we had our call time to go to the studio to shoot and you know all the sets were built and you know blah 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 and it's you know all right we're going to shoot the master shot so you know we'll do that and then okay now we're going to do the same same dialogue same everything but it's going to be over the shoulder of this person right and now we're going to flip the camera behind you and you know so you're doing the same you know you're saying the exact same stuff three or four times it's just the camera setup's totally different and you know and it's work you know it it is work and but once again, it's another type of, you know, mentally 
mentally, you know, creative, demanding work. Now, you know, we've all seen those movies like, well, you know, like, um, like The Hangover, where those guys are just having fun. I mean, they're still working, and it's still long hours, but let's be real. You can look at every one of those guys realistically and be like, they're just basically being a heightened version probably of themselves. Compared to, you know, you go look at a, you know, a a diehard drama movie, you know, hardcore, you know, drama that's up for an Oscar and stuff where you're literally looking at this actor that morphed into this role. And you got to realize, I mean, they're they're there, they're on set, and then it's action and they got to be that person. Right, with those emotional arcs and everything. Right. right. You get into that role and stuff, you know, and that's, that's it's just like accents. You know, you, you've got uh, Henry Cavill, who's a British dude, and when it's, when it's lights, camera, action, go, you're Superman doing an American accent. Right. You know, which to him is just as strange as, you know, an American in a British movie or whatever pulling an accent. Lights, camera, go. You know, there's you, you know there's got to be outtakes where it's like cut, and he's like, or he doesn't, you know, the director didn't say, it, but Cavill is probably like, huh, sorry, forgot to do an American accent. Superman doesn't talk like that. Let's right. do that. Again. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, you got to go from posh West End to Smallville in like two seconds. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's 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 definitely awesome work if you can get it, but it also you know takes talent and takes you know, a certain amount of, uh, it, it's, to me, to me, besides, you know, obviously it's work when you're on set, meeting your mark and doing all that stuff. But I mean, I think a lot of it people don't realize is the work that just goes into memorizing lines. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I did, I did stuff in high school and a little bit after high school, um, like actual full theater productions. And, you know, I, I mean, I was, you know, we'll go back to, I was a freshman in high school, and I was like, oh, doing plays will be kind of cool. I had done, like, little bit parts as a kid and, and local stuff. And, you know, I got to high school, and our high school in Taunton, Massachusetts has, um, you know, a major, or it did. I mean, the guy retired years ago, so I'm sure it went back to just being a regular high school drama club. But, I mean, we when, when he did Peter Pan, he brought in a team from L.A. to oh, fly... Wow. You know, to fly the, the the actors when they needed to fly, there was an actual yep. laser light Tinkerbell instead of a flashlight. You know, when he did The Wizard of Oz, he brought in teams to do real special effects on this stage. And, yep. um, you know, and I grew up, you know, um, watching his stuff because he was actually, he's also a drummer. And he was in a band with my mom when I was a kid. <clears throat> so I was friends with So all my life, you know, my mom would be like, oh, we got tickets to go see this. And I'd see it. And it's this giant auditorium. Um, yeah. It's not like an assembly room. It's an it's a dedicated auditorium. It's got its own building yeah. at the high school, and you know this huge stage, multiple wings, like you know. And I was like, well, it, it's looked fun since I was a kid, so I'll do it. So I tried out. They were doing Dracula for the fall, and oh, yeah. and, they, and they did it two years in a row. And I got the part of Doctor Seward, and it wasn't just because he knew me. He made me read. He oh, was yeah, as hard yeah. on me as he was on everyone else. Yeah, um, because there's a quality to the shows that he put on. Oh, and that's yeah. what he was known for. Yeah, yeah exactly. And that's I get cool. handed this book that was the script. And he was like, you're Dr. Seward. And I was like, oh, that must be like a side character. No, the dude's in like every scene. And yeah. I'm like 14 years old having to learn this book. 
And then on top of that, you know, they had to make me old because he actually plays one of the characters' fathers, and and I it was it was very eye opening. Um, yeah. I got to be Dracula the next year, and it was a whole different story because then I just got to be cool. But like you know, like I learned, um, you know, you know, you're in school all day, and then you're at practice till nine o'clock at night. So you got to school at like 8.30 that morning, you're getting home, 9, 9.30, and that's for the regular rehearsals. Then it ramps up and you're doing the costumes and they're bringing in the effects and the sets are built and that, and you're there till 10.30, 11 o'clock at night. And this is all while you're still having to keep your schoolwork because he had a policy. If you dip down but cert- below oh, a certain sure. thing, you can't be in it anymore. So, yep. I mean, and I did that almost, you know, I did three or four plays with him Um in high school and then i decided to just be an obnoxious punk rocker and got myself into all kinds of trouble and you know that ended but i mean i've i've always remembered like just how grueling that was and it pays off it does pay off you know you i mean you've done acting it pays off but there's so much that goes into it i think that people who haven't done it don't see how demanding it actually is well i I tell you another 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 thing i did for a while as well for about almost two years is here in town myself and a couple buddies we had a radio show on 107.9 the link which is a top five station in charlotte you know and i was it was only one day a week so i don't want to be like oh we had this five day a week radio show no no it was it was it was one day a week we started the program director started us at 10 o'clock on a sunday night and we were on from 10 to midnight which on a Sunday night, who's listening, you know, but Hey, it's a start. And then after a few months, he gave us from four to seven on Sunday afternoon. And that's where we were for the next, you know, year and change. And, um, that's a good slot. Once again, do it, you know, it was, it was a talk heavy show cause it was three guys. And, um, you know, so we only played like maybe, maybe, six six to nine songs an hour and the rest was talk you know with you know obviously commercial breaks and stuff but it's not a thing doing a three-hour radio show isn't a thing where the the people just show up and at you know like our we weren't from four to seven so it's not like we showed up at 345 and right. turn we got there two hours before showtime to do show prep you know right. because it was a it was a pop culture radio station so we had to talk pop culture stuff. You know, you got to, obviously it wasn't just, oh, you guys talk about whatever you want. No, it was like, this is our format. So, you know, and we started off podcasting first. Right. And we knew people, we knew people at the radio station that, that took our demo to the program director. And then the program director, you know, we set up a meeting and he gave us notes. So then we would go back and podcast, incorporate the notes and then he'd give us a cup, you know, so there were a few rounds of back and forth before he said, OK, I think I'll give you guys a two hour time slot and try. Yeah. Right. You know, it wasn't we just walked in and he was like, oh, I like you guys. Here's a show, you know. So, you know, we did that for a while or, I, you know, did that for a while. And yeah, same thing. We showed up two hours before showtime so we could do show prep, you know. So it wasn't just a three hour thing. Now, I mean, it was only five hours. But I can tell you that my, our friends that our friends that got us in the door had the weekday show from 10 to 10, a, 10, yeah, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Same thing. It was it was two people. 
um, instead of three, and it was a talk format, you know, show with a little bit of music sprinkled in. Right. But I mean, their show did, their show started at ten, and they were full time, obviously five days a week. Their show started at ten, but they got in at seven o'clock every morning. Right. You know, to do three hours of show prep. And then when the show went off there too, they left the station generally around three three thirty. So technically, they were they were there from seven a.m. to That's three. an eight hour day, right? Yeah, so it's a full day. But the people only hear them for these four hours and think, man, that must be nice having a four hour job. It's like, oh no, you know. Right. So Hold on, give me one second. I, I got to pull all the food so everyone can eat because everyone's getting on. hungry. Give me like two seconds. Yeah, man. <laughs> No, she's okay. Everyone knows I have a family. Okay. <laughs> no problem. But, um... Okay, we're good. Everybody's getting plated except for I'm going to eat after. <laughs> yeah, it's in here. I'm good. Um, so, I completely lost my try. Have you ever done that? Train of thought just literally derailed. There's a tragedy out in my mind somewhere. Nobody survived. Oh, yeah, totally. There was, <laughs> there's actually, okay, so there's a podcast I listened to called, um, I want to get the name right because I think you'd enjoy it. Uh, let's see real quick. It's, oh, it's called Something You Should Know. Hmm. And every, it drops like once a week, maybe twice a week. And the guy just basically, he interviews different people, and it's all about different things. Like, this week is what it really takes to be a winner, you know? Oh, wow, but, okay. But um, every week, it's just it's just something different on something you should know. And I tell you, you learn something from every freaking podcast this guy does. See, I'll have to look that up then, because I actually, I'm starting to, I have a couple history ones I follow, Oh yeah, and then um, there's a guy here in Atlanta, local named Payne Lindsay, yeah, and he did one called Up and Vanished, which was about the 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 um, the pageant girl who disappeared in Osceola, Georgia. Yeah, and I heard. A, that. Uh, yeah, no, I I searched that one because I listened to a podcast called Vanished. Yeah, and um, it's really good. He's got a new one called uh, Atlanta Monster. And he's actually doing an entire season dedicated to the Wayne Williams um, 80s, uh, the the child murder, the, where they had the serial killer here in the 80s in downtown Atlanta. And he's doing one now called Atlanta Monster, and that one's pretty crazy. Have you heard of Sword and Scale? I actually have, yeah. It is intense. <laughs> it is, it, I mean, they. It, yeah, they will... They will tell you it is not of it is not for the you know faint of heart sometimes with the details and stuff. Right. But, and it's weird too because I I started listening to it then I would go back and listen to past episodes I think I'm all caught up. And it does make you question. And this is so off topic of like comic book stuff. <laughs> oh whatever, dude. That's why I don't do a interview style. It's whatever. It, 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 Obviously, it's a really popular podcast. The guy has, you know, tons of listeners and stuff. So I know I'm not weird, but it does make you question, like, why do people want to hear 
about murders because that's what the podcast is about. Right. You know? Yeah, there's and, one I follow. It's like, uh, it's a cold case thing. It's like unsolved ones. And some of the stuff, you're listening and you're like, oh, God. Wait, what's that one called? Do you know? Um, I, Hold on, I can look it up. I got my phone right next to me. It's one of my subscribed ones. It's, and they've got two. Um, one's like a little lighter than the other, but they've got two. Um, one's called True Crime All the Time Unsolved. Okay. And they have another one called True Crime All the Time. So one's just like it covers like really famous murders and heists and like crazy stuff that's happened. And then one is dedicated to the stuff that's basically a cold case. Like they never really resolved it. There's this so one, some of there's there's one I listen to called um, called Case File, and the guy that does it is Australian, mm. but it's the same. It's like sword and scale. It's, he's just talking about you know cases that have already been done. None of them are unsolved, but um, it's I like listening to it because the guy has an Australian accent, so it's kind of neat. <laughs> right. Have you ever heard of one called? Um, it's insane. It takes it, it. It'll take you a week to listen to one episode. It's called uh, Dan Carlin's Hardcore History. Oh yeah, he I does, think I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, I love that show. The dude's only done like eight episodes, but they're like four to five hours a piece per episode. Oof. So you almost have to write. You almost have to like find your stopping point. Yeah, that's for tough. the day because like I like I like the ones that are like an hour, hour and a half tops because you know I can because I. Because I listen to a bunch of different podcasts, so by doing that, I can listen to a few during the day, whereas that one sounds like it'd be, like, most of the day, and it's like, I don't know. It is, but it's it's so well done. But, yeah, you definitely take it in chunks. Like, I don't think I could listen to him cover, you know, what trench warfare was really like for, like, four and a half hours yeah, straight. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you literally just, like, start to get the same shell shock syndrome he's talking about. Yeah. And, and I break them up. Like, not all of them are serious, because I, I listen to, like, um... Tell them Steve, Dave. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which, I mean, that one I look forward to. Uh, Game Informer podcast. Um, and, and they come out weekly, so I pick which day of the week I'm, like, wanting to be distracted while I'm at work the most. I put my headphones oh, in, sure. and I'm like, let's do video games for an hour and a half. Let's and, do and something so, you know, It's funny, at. going back to comics, that, you know, like, if you want to talk pros and cons of what I – you know, being a comic artist or writer for that matter, or basically anything, almost, I guess, where you work at home. You know, pros are, for instance, I can listen to podcasts all day. I don't have to wear headphones. I can turn stuff up as loud as I want. Um, once I, once I can't, and you know, everybody's different. I can't watch movies that I've never seen before when I work because I want to see it. Right. But, but I can watch dra- drama TV shows after I've watched it. Basic once I've watched a drama TV show, like I like shows, like I like a show called Scorpion. Um, yeah. Okay, so take Scorpion. Once I watch that sh- a show like that four times at least, three to four times, I'll know the voices without looking up. You know, so I know right. the character. And shows like that, there's only key scenes you really need to watch. Other than that, it's almost right. like an audio book because since they're dramas, 
and a lot of drama is more dialogue and not action, you can right. listen to it. And you'll know when the action is coming from the dialogue cues, so you just look up then. You know, so I can do that, um, but I can't do, you know, I know people that will be like, oh, yeah, you know, I'll just get movies. And I'm like, yeah, but I can't watch. I, I want to watch a movie I've never seen before, not listen to it. Right. You know, um, so that's another pro is I can, you know, Netflix with series or, you know, I, since I don't watch a lot of TV at night and with, you know, Hulu and all that stuff now, I can just you know, turn that on during the day to right. stuff or listen. That's my aforementioned uh, youngest daughter sure. coming in and leaning in because <laughs> what you doing? Tired. Tired. <laughs> she had school today. Yeah. And school well, is you know, the hardest thing ever. That's, that's really difficult. <laughs> I tell mine's 13 and she's, in, she's a freshman and I'm like, you might not believe it when I say it, but there will be a time you will look back and go, uh, going to school was so easy. I'll, I'll take all, that I'll take all that the time. All the time, me and my wife tell her, yep. enjoy this time more than the whole rest of your life. Seriously. It's like, uh, I'll take, I'll trade with you. I will gladly go to school and, uh, you know, you can, you can work all day. Right. So. Oh, and here's the stress of bills. Here's the stress of this. Here's the stress of this. Yeah. I mean, we have a we have a 20 year old daughter, and um. She is she is working and she's done with school. But I've heard her tell the youngest like, almost like you know the scene from Billy Madison where he grabs the kid by the head and he's like, stay as long as you can. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like, I've heard her have those conversations. Like, no, it's. It's still all roses for you, dude. Everything's still coming up Millhouse yep. for you. Yep, totally. Totally. Um, yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> my mom my mom uh, was expecting a text from my daughter, and she, you know, she texted me this morning. My mom, that is, goes, she hasn't texted me yet. So I just wrote back, and I went, ugh, teenagers. Right, and of course my mom's like, "Don't I know it?" And I'm like, "Yep, yeah, we were a pain." <laughs> now, now, see, we, we 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 lucked out. So when one was a teenager, one was way away from being a teenager. Now we've had a break, and she's 20 and really coming into who she is. So the teenager part is kind of fully sloughing off, okay. and we've got like a couple years more reprieve before <laughs> before we go through. The, the wonderfulness of, of an adolescent all over again. Oh, man, I, I don't. <laughs> We're better prepared. We only have, yeah. we only have one, um, one kid. And, you know, my hat is off to people that have, have more than one. And especially if they're spread out. Because, I mean, like, if, like, my niece has, you know, two kids, but they're like, you know, a year and change apart. So, right. you know, they'll go through the teenage years together, you know, but for, for, for families. Ours like is a nine year gap. For families like you that have that gap, because <laughs> I look at it like this, there's a friend of ours, just their, their kid's only nine months old. And I've always said, I love babies. And part of the reason is because, especially when there's somebody else's is because 
I can leave them, you know. And we had ours, and of course, obviously, we love every stage of life we love. But I tell you, I can honestly say there's not one stage that I can, besides, like, I not the first year, but say from like one to three, maybe I could do again. But other than that, I don't, I don't look at like elementary school going, oh God, I miss those years. I so want to go back to that. You know? Yeah, no, I agree with you. You know, so so guys like families like you, man, that you've got a twenty year old and now you've got to walk you've got to go through it all over again. Like I couldn't yep. imagine and you know, there's no way there's no chance at all that we'd ever have another kid. So but I couldn't imagine like, you know, our daughter's thirteen and then having another one and having to think like, oh my God, we have to go through elementary school again and middle school again. Yeah, we're doing it right now. I mean, I can remember with, with our oldest going to her donuts with dad things in kindergarten. And now, you know, she's been graduated for two years and now I've got another one and she's halfway through middle school and we're looking at high school again in a couple of years. So yeah, it's, it's definitely an adventure. It's like, you know, you ride the roller coaster and then you're like, hey, there's no line. Let's do it again. Yeah. So, you know, like, let's do, let's go through all of it again. But the cool thing is, is that they're different. Like our right. oldest. And that's the thing. They're different. She's, she was like super overachiever, but kind of an introvert, you know, not so much now. Now she like, she'll get down and she'll hang out with you and she'll talk a lot and have fun. But she was like a super overachiever introvert. Sure. And my youngest is basically like a firework that is just never stops going off most of the time. <laughs> so there's such a different swing. So the experiences are different. Right. The time periods are the same. But yeah, like yeah. if we had had if we had had two that were exactly the same, I think it, it would have been maddening to go right. through, you know, because the struggles with one are different than the struggles with the other. But it's definitely like those peaks and valleys are kind of the same. Yeah. Like getting ready for school to start again. And then, you know, one graduates and you're like, oh, we still have this many years of, we have to get you up in the morning. We got to get you there. We got (laughs) to. That's one of the things that is like, she started high, our started high school this year. And, you know, it's different everywhere. So here, middle school, she got on the bus at 830, right? For middle school. So that's not bad. I mean, I would, you know, she wouldn't get up till seven. I could sleep till seven, you know, which. For me, sleep until seven is like the perfect time. But now with high school, um, there's no bus service because she goes to a charter school, so that's fine. So I pick her up, but my wife takes her, and she's got to leave. They leave at like seven twenty, so my alarm goes off actually at five thirty, and I just snooze it a couple times. And I thought I'd get used to it. I mean, we're you know school starts in nah. September. We're we're over halfway done, and every day I'm like. I've got three and a half more years of this. Are you kidding right. me? <laughs> right. This guy is not built to be getting up at five thirty. And same with my <laughs> wife. She has to get up that early too, and it's just like, oh. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Like me and my wife, we, we, uh, you know, everything calms down for the evening, and and like as not, one of us is going to fall asleep on the couch before we even go make it upstairs. Oh yeah. Because we do. You know, she's got to drive to downtown Atlanta. And I've got to drive anywhere where my stores are. I've got an, I've got a whole district here and then part of the upstate of South Carolina. Um, I've got an, um, Anderson Greenwood area. Yeah. Um, 
and I live just above Atlanta. So I have got to drive all the way out of the state and then into the upstate. So, you know, I've got to get out. We've got to get her to school. Yeah. And I mean, it, it hits, it hits 10 o'clock at night and short of like a house fire. You ain't getting nothing out of us for, for, for activity at all. Like we just, you know, we have our favorite shows and we just like plump, like just sit down and we're like, yeah. You know, going back to the going back to the work schedule for drawing comics and stuff. It's like, um, I'll, you know, I'm, I'm friends with Frank Cho, and you know, we're obviously oh. besides besides Facebook friends, we're you know we're friends and stuff. And but obviously, the most contact I I see besides conventions is like most of us Facebook stuff. Right. And I'll see him post something, you know, like ah. Uh, you know, couldn't sleep, so figured I'd just draw. It's like 3 a.m. And I'm like, what? No. How? How do you do that? Like, right. Like, In our house, 3 a.m. means something's wrong. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, somebody's sick or something. This is, well, this is this is the... When I, when I talk to my friends that do this for a living and we talk about work schedules, I'll say, like, well, I, I've got to stop. Generally... G- unless it's something so urgent, I usually don't work past nine o'clock because then at that point I've got about an hour to an hour and a half tops to just kind of decompress. And then I'm just falling asleep, you know, right. wherever I'm sitting in the house, I'm falling asleep. So, and so they'll be like, yeah, but you know, I'll push through that. And, and this isn't Frank. This is just in general talking to different people. And they'll right. be like, yeah, but I'll push through that and I'll work till, you know, say 1 a.m. And and then and I don't have the luxury to be able to do this. But but even if I did, I wouldn't. They'll say and then, you know, I'll just sleep till like 10 o'clock. And I'm like, yeah, but see, see, here's the thing. So you'll work. You'll push past that nine. We'll say nine o'clock to 1 a.m. So that's four more hours. Right. And then they'll sleep till 10. Whereas I'll stop at nine, I'll get to my desk at at around seven fifteen, like I do, and then, you know, work till say say it's ten fifteen. So you got basically an extra hour of work done. We got the same amount of work done is basically what I'm trying to get at. You know, right? It's it's there. There's yeah. Of course, I worked for say three hours, whereas they worked four more. But the gist is, if I stayed up till midnight. I have to get up, you know, I don't have that luxury to sleep till 10, so my alarm goes off at 5.30, I finally roll out a little before 6, and at 7.15, I'm falling asleep at my desk, you know what I mean? So, right, and you still got a whole day. So I'm losing yeah. time, you know? Right. So it's not totally. beneficial to stay up till, you know, midnight or whatever, so. I mean, as they say down here, whatever works. I used to could. But I can't anymore. Oh, yeah. Not like that. N- not not be functional. I mean, me and my wife, there's stuff. We'll stay up late. Like when Daredevil hit Netflix, we we binged till like two thirty, three o'clock in the morning. But it was when it was the weekend. Like there wasn't anything to do the oh, next yeah. day. Yeah, I mean, my daughter. And I, you know, like but like during the week, with, no way. <laughs> Shoot, what was the last one that came out? Punisher. My daughter. Yes. And I, my daughter and I did that with Punisher. We watched. I think Friday night. You know, it came out on. Well, it comes, it come, you know, it drops midnight Friday, so 
right. you know, Friday night after she gets home from school. I think we watched like six episodes. And then it yeah, was, that was us. It was pushing midnight and she was wide awake, but I was exhausted. I said, that's it. We're calling it. We'll pick it up tomorrow. And then, you know, Saturday night we watched like, you know, four more and then we finished it Sunday, you know. So, yeah. See, Friday, that's yeah, that's what we do. It's so it's pathetic because I, you know, you can attest to this, too, I'm sure. You know, when you're a teenager, I was staying up till 3, 4 a.m. Friday, Saturday night, no problem. You know, and I'm talking right. not even coming home until 3, 4 a.m. Um, now, on Friday and Saturday nights, I know I can sleep, sleep in on Saturdays and Sundays some. I'll actually be like, I'm going to stay up till midnight. I'm going to be a big boy and stay up till midnight. I never make it. <laughs> never freaking make it. I'll wake nope. up around midnight and be like, I wonder what time I fell asleep on the couch. Oh, well, turn the lights off. Time to walk upstairs and actually go to bed. And but, go to bed? Yeah. It's like, it's like I'm trying to challenge. It's a trap, I'm dude. challenging myself. I will stay up till midnight. <laughs> See, and, and that's and that's the thing. Like, kids don't understand. The whole growing up part, it's a trap. Oh. Like, they don't understand that we put you to bed at this time so that we can go to bed at this yeah. time. Like, it's not that... Well, we're adults, and the real party starts when you go away. It's like we're putting you to bed so that in like an hour or so after, we could go to bed. Or whoever, um, <laughs> you know, there's no – all your money doesn't get to go to like candy and comic books no. and toys. and get, No, it, it, it all has to go to these people first that take most yep. of it. And then maybe you do something cool with what's left. Like it, it's this giant trap that we all run towards because we think there's so much freedom. And then you get there, and you're like – I want to go be 10 and not worry about a thing again. <laughs> like so did, bad. Do you ever, um, <laughs> ah, what was I saying? Oh, do you, do you and your wife ever nap it out on weekends? Like take an hour nap or two hour nap on the weekend in the afternoon? So my parents did that oh. and I've got a brother, so I don't have many siblings. I, I just have one brother, you know? And, right. um, so, so, you know, you know, growing up, my mom and dad on like a Saturday or Sunday, we'd be like, Oh, we got to be quiet because they're napping, you know. And we're like, what are they doing? Right. And now, you know, my my wife more than me because, you know, with the work schedule and stuff, um, maybe maybe on a Sunday I'll be able to squeak out an hour and a half on the on the, you know, in the afternoon on the couch, nap. And our daughter would be like, what are you guys doing? We're like, we're taking a nap. Leave us alone. <laughs> Right. And then you remember back to when they were five and you told them to take right. a nap and they'd give you holy heck. And you're like, nah, you don't understand. There's a beauty to this that comes with time. Yeah. I mean, my, my, my wife can nap easier than I can. Mine, it's like if I get comfortable on the couch, I'm, I always used to make fun of like my uncles because like you, you get together for holidays and you're like all the old people passed out on the couch. And you realize that they just worked all week and they finally got comfortable because that's me. I don't take like a designated nap, but I'll get like. Good and comfortable. And then my wife will be laughing at yep. me. And she's like, hey, mister, why do you always take a nap? You just passed out trying to watch a movie with me. And so I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm starting to learn the exquisite beauty of yep. a nap. Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's. I like how this podcast went from drawing comics to old like, guys napping. <laughs> That's the name of the new old podcast. Two napping. old guys talking about naps. Well, you know, do you know how many people would actually can, listen to that? I can too, remember. I can, and my wife obviously can too. We can, we can still remember. Our, we had a routine before our daughter was born that 
on Saturdays, we would basically do the running around and, you know, go see a movie or whatever. On Sundays, we pretty much would get up, maybe go out for a cup of coffee and breakfast, come home, uh, do a few things around the house. But then almost like clockwork on Sunday afternoon around two o'clock, it was nap time for both of us. And it was just on the couch in the living room. It wasn't like, let's go to bed and take a nap. It was just turn on the TV. We would both get comfortable on each couch. And next thing you know, we're both asleep for a couple hours, you know, and then get up, have dinner and, you know, work would start on Monday. So, so yeah, you know, it was, yeah, it's just so funny. Dude, I've got to have you back on because I could just, I I could literally just keep talking all night and I hear you getting pinged and I'm getting stuck, you know, everybody's home now, so um just give a shout out where everybody can find you and then um let let, let everybody know where the kickstarter is and, and everything else and then we'll wrap it up but i definitely want to have yeah, you back definitely. on because this has been super yeah, fun no, i i love doing this stuff like i said hey a guy that does improv and used to do radio loves to talk so um right no it's easy i'm I, I, you know on facebook it's just facebook uh you know andy smith i believe there's lots of us maybe it's not i'm not even i know my facebook fan page or business page I, I i refer to it more as a business page that i set up as um facebook uh andy smith cartoonist um and then the website's just andysmithart.com uh and then the kickstarter search demigod or just search andy smith and it'll come up and we've got 20 some days to go and you know it's chugging along but any bit helps so because we're you know Demigod to me is probably the work I'm most proud of because I'm so invested in it and, you know, being able to work with Ron Mars and, and Bart Sears and Sean Husfar and, you know, just real quick, those three guys, we've gone back, we all go back 20 plus years, but to even more than that, all three of those guys were in my wedding party. So, I mean, it's not just like, that's amazing. Oh, we're buddies that met because we do comics for a living. I mean, we all, you know, we all met in the early nineties. I met Bart when I was at the Kubert school. And so, oh, you know, awesome. Ominous Press isn't just three dudes that said, let's, or four guys that, oh, let's do a comic thing. It's, you know, four long-term friends that, you know, said, let's do this and, and bring it back. Cause I mean, Ominous Press was Bart's company that back in 94 and I was the art director back then. And actually Sean Husfar, who's the publisher now, he was the, uh, business marketing guy back then and now he's the you know ceo and you know bart's the cco and i'm the art director and ron's the editor-in-chief so you know being able to do yeah it's pretty awesome awesome so well thanks for coming on thank oh, you for yeah, your man. time dude and like i said i'm gonna say thank you again for the ashcan yeah. books and then being be, being cool enough to sign them <laughs> Dude, there's nothing. I, I mean, to I me, there's nothing that, never, that you know. Look, signing something takes two seconds. It's it's literally probably the least I could do. So, <laughs> but see, I, I would never, I would never want to overreach and ask. So the fact that you did it is, is really cool. And I definitely want to have you back yeah, on. Man. Definitely, definitely. I've had Ron on three or four times now. I love having him on. And I finally got to sit down with you. And I love what Ominous Press is doing. I've gotten to read all the Dread Gods. I'm going to get my hands on um, the Beast graphic novel when yep. it comes out, the Black Hand book. Um, looking forward to Demigod and everything. So I definitely want to have you guys 
on individually or even together going forward because I love the ominous stuff. You guys are are all people I've read for years, and now that you're all together and making your own books that are amazing, I definitely like having this relationship and being able to talk yeah, to man, you Yeah, man, you got it. No problem. Awesome. Cool, yeah, man. Thank you for your time, and just thanks for being so open, man. Oh, I yeah, I'm like, a, I'm like an open book. I got nothing to hide.